This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I drink it up. First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. Joining me, per usual, is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. I can't talk too long. I gotta poo. What's up? Not much. Just getting into the horror spirit now that the horror extravaganza is upon us. It's here. It's a little late. Uh, you know, we, we talk about doing these episodes and then we kind of take a week off. You know, unexpectedly <laughs> or inadvertently, maybe. Yeah. And you don't realize, oh, it's the end of September. We're just doing our first one. Oops. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think it's going to cost us anything because we did. We announced four movies that we're going to do for sure. And we're still going to be able to do those in the two months. We definitely did not over schedule, I believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we talked about maybe trying to do a fifth one. We'll see. But, uh, I think we could try and knock out the second one next week. Today is September 23rd, the year of our Lord, 2021. Yes. And we are talking about Dress to Kill. When did you first see Dress to Kill? What are your thoughts then and now? Uh, I believe it was it was after we started doing the podcast together. because I, I heard about it from you. So it would have been probably maybe three or four years ago, I think. And I, I really enjoyed it. The first time I watched it, I thought it was great. I didn't catch on to the uh, the big twist at the end, I don't think, until until they, they actually revealed it. Mm-hmm. Although this is being the second time I watched it, like you, you definitely pick up the clues. Like they're they're doing some heavy foreshadowing and hinting <laughs> at it uh, throughout. Yeah. But uh you know, not knowing that going in, you don't necessarily pick up on those things, but cut to uh, Michael Caine looking in a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a lot of mirrors around. Him, uh, <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> Even a tiny one on his desk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I really liked that. That was great. You know, it was a, a very good uh, suspense film by Brian De Palma. You get some of his uh, classic split screen shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really enjoy that. Great story. You got some swerves and some good performances in there all around. Really, really enjoyable movie. Yeah. So I think I had, you had watched it not long after my first viewing. It was a blind buy because it was a Criterion Blu-ray during uh, one of Barnes & Noble's sales. And picked it up sight unseen. And was very pleased with my purchase. Big fan of early De Palma, or I should say, uh, everything. God, uh, body double and before, basically. Untouchables, too. I like the Untouchables. Although there is some pretty, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, I don't know. It's pretty cheesy. Yeah, I, I think so. He did Carlito's Way. That's it's very overly dramatic. 
Yeah, the Untouchables Mellow, was melodramatic. Uh, yeah, but yeah, then it's like his later work, uh, Mission Impossible. I do actually like that one, although from what I hear, if I was a fan of the original series, I would hate it. <laughs> but uh, I never saw the show, so I am free to enjoy the first one. And uh, then after that, he did Snake Eyes. I used to watch that when you know growing up, but it's not good. <laughs> I enjoyed it at the time, but yeah, Snake Eyes is weird because it seems like they, you know, I, I kind of read into it after I watched it, and it makes a lot of sense. It, they apparently cut out like a whole act of, of the movie Snake Eyes, <laughs> and so like there's there's like a huge jump from one section of the movie to another, and they're like there's a whole bunch of shit that happened in between, and you have no idea like how they got to where they got to Mm -hmm. it was i don't know it was super confusing to me i've seen mission impossible i i thought it was okay i actually like the second mission impossible better which apparently nobody (laughs) else does (laughs) so you're the only one (laughs) and i haven't seen any of the other ones after that either so ooh, um i thought man (laughs) they can't top that so (laughs) i don't i don't even need to bother they're, it's like the American Bond series now, and it's better than Bond now with the stuff that Tom Cruise is doing. That's what everybody says. Everybody says it's so great, and Tom mm-hmm. Cruise does his, his own stunts and stuff. Yeah. Have you seen Raising Kane? I always put that on my, my list to watch, and then I never watch it. Yeah, same with me. I always want to, but haven't. I saw Femme Fatale. It was a blind like DVD. It was a D- used DVD buy, so you know, I wasn't risking too much, but it's forgettable. I don't remember all that much. <laughs> I watched it because of, I can't remember. It was like, well, this movie's significant because of the camera work or the lens he uses or something or like the editing. I can't remember what it was, but then like, I've already forgotten it. And <laughs> right. like, it must not have been that good. Um, Black Dolly. I saw once didn't care for it. I think that's about it. I never saw, was it mission of Mars that he did? What was the Mars one? Yeah, Mission to Mars. I I did not see that one. I don't I don't think I saw that. I saw the John Carpenter Mars movie. Yeah, I get confused with that. Haven't seen either. Have you seen Casualties of War? No, that one is okay. It's uh Michael J. Fox and I think Sean Penn and some other young actors from the eighties in a uh, Vietnam War movie. Hmm. And uh, like Michael J. Fox is like the only one with a conscience. Like he wants to, uh, like they they take a pri- a woman prisoner, and like everybody else wants to like rape and kill her. And he's like, maybe we shouldn't do that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, it's decent. It's you know, it's it's not like the the best. It's probably not even like top five or top ten as far as Vietnam War movies, but I mean, it's okay. Hmm. I'm looking at some of his early work. Greetings in 68, rated X, but stars none other than Robert De Niro. He's second build on here because that was before Mean Street. So De Niro was just starting out. The Wedding Party, hadn't heard of that. Hi, Mom, I think I've heard of that. Sisters, I've heard about. I've seen pretty Sisters. Good. Yeah, it's, it is. Margot Kidder in a, in a role she was meant to play. 
Is she a drunk again? <laughs> this is like Black Christmas. I, I can't. I can't remember. If she's a drunk, but she has uh, mental health issues. We'll say. Okay. Phantom of the Paradise seems very interesting. Wanted to watch that for a little while. Obsession, never seen, but heard good things. And then yeah, the Carrie and the Fury, which I still need to see. Home movies. It seems like I could probably skip that one, but. Hey, it has Nancy Allen. You got to complete the the Allen anthology, right? <laughs> While they were still married. Yeah, I was going to say, it's weird that she gets cast in all his movies. I mean, <laughs> he must really like working with her as an actress. I think he, he met her on Carrie, right? I don't know that story, so I'm not sure. So they got married. Well, let's just look it up, shall we? When they were married. I bet you that inspired Rob Zombie to cast his wife in every movie too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she married Brian in 1979, divorced in 84, which is why she's not in body double. That's funny. Like as soon as they get divorced, he's like, I can't work with you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, body double is 84, but you know, I'm sure, you know, it, takes a while to get a, get those divorce papers final you know yeah because you know she's not in scarface right no i don't think so scarface so kind of stands out as a uh scarface seems kind of an outlier in his uh filmography up to that point in his oeuvre <laughs> in, in his what <laughs> so now he said his oeuvre uh, so like o-u-e-v-r-e not familiar with that word. Not familiar with the term. No, I don't speak French. As I say, it's uh, French. A work of art, or more commonly, the body of work of a creator. Oh, there's a it's word I'll never use. A fancy word for <laughs> filmography, basically. <laughs> if you want to be all uppity about it. Yeah, because she's in Blowout and then nothing else. And well, she—I mean, she's in other things like RoboCop, <laughs> but <laughs> nothing else for De Palma. She did all three RoboCops. That's right. Well, I actually—I haven't seen two or three. I don't think she's for sure. In, she's for sure in the third one, but I don't think Peter Weller is. <laughs> okay. The third what, one is not. The third one is bad. Oh my god! Peter Weller is not in those. He's in the second one, but I don't think he's in the third one. Okay. Well, yeah, let's start going through the cast here. I should note that uh, originally Brian De Palma wanted to adapt Cruising, but he couldn't get the rights to it. He was going to write the screenplay for that and uh, couldn't get the rights. So he started to come up with his own idea for what he wanted to do. And he wrote Dress to Kill. Because uh, Freakin' did cruising in, was it 81? Let's see. I don't, I don't 80, know. Probably. In 1980. So this is all happening in 79. Because Dress to Kill came out in 1980. And it stars Michael Caine as Dr. Robert Elliott. Angie Dickinson as Kate Miller. Nancy Allen as Liz Blake. Keith Gordon as Peter Miller. Dennis Franz as Detective Marino. David Margulies is Dr. Levy. Ken Baker is Warren Lockman. Susanna Clem as Betty Luce or Lucy or 
It's loose. Luce. <laughs> it's loose. Is it loose? Okay. Yeah. Like that movie that came out two years ago that wasn't very good, but people <laughs> raved about it. <laughs> <laughs> the one that you saw on your uh, A-list? About, yeah, it was about the uh, adopted black child who had white parents and uh, he was trying to overcome stereotypes <laughs> with the help of Spencer or uh, Octavia Spencer as his teacher who treated him different. Mm. <laughs> I didn't think it was very good. <laughs> uh, Brandon Margaret as Cleveland Sam. And that's about it. The only other thing I wanted to point out was Mark Margulis is in here. He's a patient at the hospital, uncredited. You recall Margulis as the the landlord in Ace Ventura, but also in you know Breaking Bad. Uh, you know, hitting the bell, sitting in the chair, <laughs> requiem for a dream. He's in Scarface as. Uh, you know, the assassin shadow in Scarface, but he's that assassin guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And he was in a ton of shit. Yeah. And uh, William Finley is the voice of Bobby on the answering machine. Interesting. This whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, that is not Michael Caine's voice. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, of course. And another thing that's even more surprising is Susanna Clem is okay. So she's the, uh, the cop that's following her around. You find out at the end that Dennis right. friends sent her to follow her around. Mm-hmm. She also played Michael Caine, uh, Bobby, Michael Caine only dressed up as Bobby in the final scene, uh, the scene in the elevator and her chasing around the, the subway. That's all Susanna Clem interesting so they dressed her up they said that she's the same size as michael kane and they gave her uh like you know similar sunglasses but then they had like a fake nose attached to the sunglasses that was michael kane's nose i guess (laughs) because i mean you also see it when you know she's going through like the subway and uh well that cab driver um, ends up knocking over the woman, the blonde. You can yeah. tell that, that she looks a lot like Bobby. Right. But yeah. you think it's just, you know, you're supposed to think it's kind of the same person for a while. But you're supposed to assume it's Bobby until yeah. they reveal it later that it was what Betty Luce. Mm-hmm. What a weird name. Like he doesn't <laughs> even call her like officer or <laughs> anything like that. <laughs> like, does she even work for the police? <laughs> Is she even a cop? But yeah, like I was, you know, watching it a second, third time, knowing Bobby, aka Dr. Elliot, is the killer. I'm like, oh yeah. They're like, why didn't I notice that's Michael Caine in the elevator? Right. I mean, you can tell, especially now with with HD, that it's you know, a man dressed up as a woman, a trans woman. We'll get into that. <laughs> Yeah, we'll tiptoe around that part of it. <laughs> I'm going by the parlance of the 1980 time era, okay? I don't know if I should admit this, but I'm equally confused as Peter at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I like that lady in the background though. That was so great. He just kept the camera on her. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that. That's at the end of the movie. We'll maybe mention that at the end again. I also wanted to point out Angie Dickinson. Um, so she was in Real Bravo. She was the female lead in Real Bravo. But she at the time was she just got done doing a show called uh police woman that's a novel concept a police woman what <laughs> yeah. a wild wild story that is yeah police woman it's not even one word it's police space woman and uh yeah she was the star of that show for a while and so she was kind of seen as a heroine and uh, she had a lot of problems with making this film you know she turned down De Palma after she first read it and he said read it again and then he called her and said uh you know she was kind of warming up to the idea but he said you know what, what if we got you a body double you know for all for all the nude scenes and so they did now i haven't been able to figure out who the body double was they didn't really list a body double because there's no speaking roles for that person but right. sometimes they just put people that are in it where people like to tag themselves basically mm-hmm. uncredited look i'm an extra in the background of whatever movie so yeah all that stuff at the shower in the beginning that's not her they kind of superimpose her head on top of the uh body double because i'm thinking like this cannot be angie like we're getting a <laughs> a real good looking angie dickinson and i'm pretty sure that's not her as beautiful as she is have you seen the movie PCU? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I saw that before I saw this movie, but uh, <laughs> there's a, it's set at a college and there's a bunch of slackers or whatever. And and one of the guys PCU. is writing a, yeah. And one of the guys is a, it's politically correct university or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, and it's not a very good movie, but uh and Jeremy Piven's in it. He's Correct. like 35 years old, but he's still in college mm-hmm. and he's going bald. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but one of the characters is writing a thesis on like, I forget what it is. It's like at any given time during the day, there's always a movie starring Michael Caine and then, or one of two other actors. I can't remember who they are on TV. Mm-hmm. And so like during the movie, he's like, Oh, look dress to kill is on and it's the the shower scene i'm gonna really get in there and study this one (laughs) (laughs) and it sounds like what you you did kind of the same thing here for uh to get ready for the podcast well i'm you know making sure the windows are drawn so people driving by can't see what i'm watching but professional it is getting very graphic uh de palma he has wanted to do had to had to edit some stuff out to get an r rating He's originally got an X. Uh, the version I watched is unrated on Criterion. So I might have seen a little more than you, actually. Potentially. I, I managed to get it on Cinemax, which was no easy feat because uh, I may or may not be uh, borrowing somebody else's Cinemax. <laughs> somebody in Colorado? <laughs> no comment. Oh, my God. It's so, like the Cinemax, they don't have an app anymore. And uh, if you try to log in through their desktop site, like you can get in through your cable company subscription, but then it tries to make you make a Cinemax 
account or like username and password and then like it kept giving me an error i'm like what the fuck is this shit <laughs> but uh i got to i got it to work on an xfinity's uh website so yeah before we get further i do have to go over the plot synopsis here a mysterious blonde woman kills one of a psychiatrist's patients and then goes after the high-class call girl who witnessed the murder. So, as you said, the movie kind of opens with a shower scene. Immediately. A very, <laughs> a very erotic shower. Very much so. Well, I'm thinking, I'm like, this, well, this, is, this woman is way too firm to be almost 50. <laughs> Especially in 1980? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. When everybody literally looked 20 years older than they actually were. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a guy shaving in the mirror, you know, just Mm -hmm. outside the, uh, the shower while she's feeling herself up. And And all of a uh, sudden there's from out of the, the misty shadows, uh, a rapist appears and proceeds to rape Angie Dickinson. Well, the dude shaves in the, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Well, he covers her mouth so he can't hear. And the yes, shower's it's, going. It's very loud. He can't hear over his straight razor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it turns out it's a it's a wake and rape, is, is what I wrote down. Well, it's, instead, of, instead of wake and bake, it's wake and rape. <laughs> no, it was one of his wham bam specials. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in 1980, you couldn't rape your wife. I, I think they just revoked that, that law like last year. See, I read it a different way. I just read it as her rape fantasy. Why? Well, I, I thought it was like he started having sex with her while she was asleep. And then like she just kind of let him do it. Because at the doctor's office, she makes it known that she's mad. And uh, her reasoning is not due to or she at least she doesn't mention that I was trying to sleep, you know, and he slipped it in. It was he sucks in bed <laughs> that's her main complaint so i thought maybe she was just like oh anything to, to get a rise out of me i gotta I gotta fantasize a violent rape <laughs> could be yeah i don't bad. know the way the way they shot it uh, like coming out of the dream i i just assumed that they he just stuck it in her and then uh you know, when he was done, he was done. And then she was mad because like she he didn't wake her up so she can enjoy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. It was wham bam specials, like you said. I just figured she meant like it was too quick and he was just done. He could wasn't be all uh, could be all of the above. He wasn't uh going down on her like that dude in the cab. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll talk about him. Uh-huh. I'm sure. So I think that can bring us to our first clip because she goes to visit the doctor. You're just going to skip over Peter's scene? Are we not going to talk about Peter, her son? <laughs> what, in that clock? I don't even know what it was. He made some not kind of... Not the clock, uh, yeah. I'm thinking of... Okay, when she wakes up in that dude's apartment and there's that weird clock there, it looks like something that her son made. Yeah. <laughs> looks like that clock that that... Uh... That uh, Pakistani kid took to, to school and they thought it was a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he get to meet Obama or something? Yeah. And then uh, it turned out his dad was actually like a terrorist or something. 
and they moved out of the country. <laughs> Can't remember the end ending of that story. Seems like I, it wasn't covered all that well in the local yeah, I for, media. I forget where they were from, but like his dad ended up being like a like a higher up in one of the uh, like governments or something of the country where they were originally from, and they ended up moving back uh, after the incident. And it was like a country that hates America, you know. But yeah, so uh, yeah, Peter, her son, invented a uh, circuit that holds. 20 digit binary numbers <laughs> i don't know what it does it just lights up yeah so a little bit and it's called a peter because <laughs> yeah. everybody who invents shit like napoleon invented some kind of pastry and named it after himself so he, he names it a peter and then they make a, a penis joke yeah you know, masturbation joke <laughs> <laughs> yep uh kate miller is such a good mom but she has no idea what the hell her son made, doesn't understand it at all, but still just so supportive and just like, good for you. <laughs> you made something, it's something. You should call it a Peter. <laughs> well, she wanted him to, to stop saying up, but he goes, Mom, the city science championships are next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I almost pulled that clip. <laughs> it's like, these are some serious science championships coming up here there's a few lines throughout the movie like that where it's like man that's a bad line or it's delivered so poorly like why did you include that in here like you could have cut that like you need to put that in there yeah there's some other bad ones with uh, him and uh liz oh yeah apartment you really liked your mom didn't you you know, yeah, I was mom, like, "What? <laughs> your mom who was murdered yesterday?" <laughs> I think it was in. I think it's in the clip we'll listen to later. But you really liked your mom, huh? Like what? Like <laughs> my mom who I've been attached to since birth that just got murdered yesterday. Yeah, whom I, whom I love. We were we were a little. Uh, little Gee, close. I guess you really liked her, huh? <laughs> Go figure. Like not all of us turned to whores because we had a poor relationship with our mother. Yeah. But I tell yeah, you though, so, I mean, you you missed out if you did if you saw the edited shower scene. Yeah, I'm trying to look to see what it gets what in there. Missed. Yeah, makes me wish I was the soap. <laughs> they get I'm up to, close with that soap. Yeah, I'm trying to think because uh, it sounds like they cut some stuff, but like. I'm trying to think if they actually showed it because it was pretty graphic. Yeah, and the like, Criterion, oh. uh, there's a special feature that also shows a side-by-side of the different versions. Okay. But I don't know what version you saw. So, I mean, they're pretty similar. It's just, you know, they linger on the on the bush a little longer and <laughs> maybe one or two more shots of it, maybe rubbing it a little. Yeah, I'm wondering if they, if they showed the Criterion version. But I, I'm not sure. Like it's, it's hard to tell. Like now, you know, in hindsight, like just how graphic it got, because like the stuff they cut would have been really short, really mm-hmm. small pieces. It wouldn't have been like super noticeable. Yeah. But uh, yeah, all right. Let's uh, let's get to our first clip. Kate Miller at the doctor's office. How are things going with Mike? Fine. Good. No, they're not fine. What a dumb word that is. 
He gave me one of his wham-bang specials this morning, and I'm mad at him. Isn't that right? Shouldn't I be mad? Yeah. Did you tell him? What? That you were mad at him. Of course not. I moaned with pleasure at his touch. Isn't that what every man wants? I don't know. Is it? Don't start that stuff with me. Don't you think you'd feel better if you snapped at Mike instead of me? Think about where your anger is going. I'm sorry. Stop apologizing. Tell Mike he makes you mad. Tell him he stinks in bed? Does he? Yes. Then tell him. Maybe there's something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. Do you find me attractive? Of course. Would you want to sleep with me? Yes. Then why don't you? Because I love my wife, and sleeping with you isn't worth jeopardizing my marriage. Is it worth it to you to jeopardize yours? You think he actually has a wife? Ah, that's something I never actually uh, thought about. I was just thinking about that. He spends an awful lot of time at the office, and then the rest of his time he's stalking his uh, victims. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier uh, when I was rewatching it. You know, he said, "I like to keep my nights open in case you know patient needs me, or you know I get a phone call." And I'm like, so this guy just like doesn't have a family. He doesn't have to like go home <laughs> to his kids at like, a reasonable hour or to you know, to his wife that he meant you know that he mentions. But yeah, so maybe maybe not. Well now I'm thinking, you know, they said he kills every any woman that he uh is aroused by mm-hmm. and his secretary is missing. Or, you know, on quote, on vacation or whatever. So he's going to answer his own phone calls. You think he killed the secretary? Maybe he already killed his wife. If he yeah. had one. Yeah, if he had place. one. Yeah, that's a pretty good possibility. Of course, nobody's looking for them, so they don't really matter. He can't get a temp. <laughs> <laughs> can't get an no. ugly temp. <laughs> right. Or hire a dude. this is 1980 men don't do that well then he could counsel him on his uh latent homosexuality you know Mm -hmm. because that was that was all the thing in the 80s you know back then was being in the closet right is that too (laughs) controversial (laughs) i mean i'm I'm joking of course but this reminds me of that uh (laughs) (laughs) This reminds me because of, uh, in light of this week's unfortunate events of uh, Norm MacDonald passing away when he was on uh, Larry King and he told me he was a deeply closeted homosexual. (laughs) Larry King looked shocked. He goes, oh, you're, you're, you're gay. He goes, no, I'm not gay. I'm deeply closeted. (laughs) 
it took Larry a while to figure out what he was trying to do. Yeah, I saw a compilation of he did that joke on Conan a couple times, and then Larry Larry King. Larry King bit it hard, man. Like he he was like, I got the scoop of the century. Norm McDonald is gay. And Norm's like, I would never say I was gay. Why would I, why would I say that? Why do you ask? <laughs> oh, he was so great. He was so great at stuff like that. All right. Um, yeah, back to dress to kill. So she leaves his office and then goes to the art gallery. I forget. Is there a reason or did she just go? I don't remember. I thought she said she was like going for lunch or something at the art gallery, but like, I don't, it didn't make sense. <laughs> Cause no, the, the dude went for lunch at the art gallery. <laughs> Cause she wasn't, she wasn't like meeting somebody there and she was just like sitting there looking at the, the same paintings over and over again. And then, mm-hmm. uh, writing out her like to-do list yeah uh, i guess it also should be noted that it was the first time michael kane looks in the mirror after mrs miller asks uh him if he's attracted to her want to have sex with her and all that it's almost like he has to give himself a stern stern look right it's like who, himself. Am, who am i right now am i am i robert or am i bobby mm-hmm. don't get carried but, away now you know that's another thing like you don't even put two and two together because his name on like they show his name on the door or whatever is Dr. Robert Elliot, but they only call him Elliot for the rest of the movie. And then you don't even put two and two together that the killer's name is Bobby. Uh, it's like, oh, Robert and Bobby. Of course, it's fucking him. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. I thought the art gallery scene was fucking great. Yeah. Uh, a lot of great camera work in there. Uh, a lot of steady cam shots and yeah it's like a it's like a short film it's like a five minute movie right with no dialogue because i don't think uh the man says one thing no no and uh neither does she not till the very end yeah um or maybe she she like half starts to talk or something and then she always cuts off because like the guy just like disappears Mm-hmm. you know like she takes her glove off to drop it on the floor so he'll pick it up for her and she's she's so dumb like she ends up flashing her wedding ring instead yeah that's the thing i was like well she's flashing her wedding ring and she's oh shit all right and then she leaves the, the glove comes back for it and then i don't know why she gets so turned off when he grabs her by the shoulder like it wasn't it wasn't violently it's like you just wanted to talk to him or show you attention and then he does, and you're so standoffish about it. And then like, oh shit, he had my glove. He was wearing my glove. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like she was following him around before that. And I don't know. I guess she just was caught off guard. And I don't know. I like to like uh he does it like maybe three or four times with with Kate, where like she'll remember something and then I'll do the the picture in picture of her like remembering what uh you know what she's thinking about mm-hmm. like she forgets that she dropped her glove and then she's like oh oh that's right and then they'll on the other side of the screen they'll show the glove dropping mm-hmm. and then uh it was the one later she forgot that she uh or she was remembering that she left her panties in the fucking taxi cab 
and uh, I think there was one more. I can't remember what the the other one was, but I like that. I like that was a nice touch. Yeah, because you get the flashback, but it's not a real flashback. Like it, it's still like continuing it. Plus, yeah. you get the the actor actually acting. Like you get like inside their head. Yeah, the screenplay uh, had narration in that, at least in that scene. Ended up not using any of it. And I think it's perfect that way. Doesn't need narration. Agreed. Very visual storyteller that De Palma. Yeah, the camera works great. Did you know not just this scene, but did you notice like how soft the lighting was? At least for Angie Dickinson. And also yeah, I noticed on Nancy Allen too. It was like they're using old gauze shots. It's like the Barbara Walters filter. Mm-hmm. Barb Stanwick. <laughs> no, Barbara Walters. <laughs> Have you ever seen a Barbara Walters special? They used to make fun of it on SNL. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's just glowing <laughs> or like I, I think the simpsons made fun of that stuff too like just putting like a swab of vaseline across the lens of the yeah. camera <laughs> <laughs> like that'll soften it up <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I like how like she thinks her one glove is lost so she just throws the other one on the the ground outside the museum yeah and, and did then, you notice Bobby standing there when the camera pans over to the cab? I didn't. I don't think I noticed her standing there, but I definitely noticed when they showed the glove get picked up. I am very happy to hear you address her as her. <laughs> for, for ease of uh, <laughs> ease of uh, you know conversation. I'm sure Bobby is spelled B O B B I. I think that's how they spelled it in the bond credits. Okay. <laughs> Bobby's uh, just standing facing the camera as it pans over. She's between Miller and the cab. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I noticed it specifically there. I know there's later. So like they, they do the cab ride to the guy's house and as they're or the apartment building and as they're going in the building, uh, Kate does a double take and like I couldn't even like tell what she was looking at like it goes so quick um, yeah. but I assume Bobby was there too mm-hmm. or somebody I don't know maybe it was nothing maybe it was a fake out um, so yeah she uh, wakes up and I don't know what time of day it was it seemed like it was late like oh shit it's like oh shit I gotta get home and she uh, wants to write him a lovely note and finds that he is VD <laughs> Yeah, Warren Lockman is his name, and he has VD. (laughs) (laughs) Cue the the knee-high park uh, reference from Chappelle's show. Mm -hmm. The VD thing, VD thing, VD. (laughs) Dirty motherfuckers. (laughs) So then she uh, heads off to the elevator, and that's where she meets her demise, as Bobby is lying in wait, surprises her, and um, it's shot very similar to the shower scene in Psycho. There is some quick cutting, but not as quick. And you mm. actually see more, you know, actual like blood penetration uh, of the blades in this. But it's like the way she like cocks her arm back and like holding up the the blade, right? So just like Psycho. And then quick cut to basically uh, the stabbing. And she uses a straight razor. That's mm-hmm. her weapon of choice. Yep. 
Nancy Allen, Liz, is just getting done with a trick, which, uh, so fun fact. Here's a fun fact. Uh, I was watching a little documentary about this. De Palma talked about how this hotel that they shot at is right by Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was a place where Wall Street people would bring hookers. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the perfect place to film this. Right. Like he was like talking to people like he noticed a lot of beautiful women around. And he's just like, this is a, you know, right by Wall Street. I wonder who lives here. And he's like, oh, it's a hotel. And what are all these beautiful women doing around? And he talked to some of them and they're like, yeah, we're, we're call girls. <laughs> that's all the wall street people go to have affairs and that's where she goes to have an affair and that's where liz is working then 35 years later they made hustlers (laughs) i've not seen hustlers it's a bad movie don't watch it (laughs) i heard j-lo was you know a a revelation in it I heard that too. I'm like, and then I watched it. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Like, is this a joke? Like, are you like having fun? Are you making fun of her? Is she twerking it? I think maybe a little bit, but not much. Like, it's not a lot. <laughs> like, she has like it might one, be enough for me though. <laughs> she has like one one pole dancing scene, but the, I think that's more or less it as far as yeah. it. And she don't go full nude, so so. Mrs. Miller, she falls over dead and Liz sees her and the, the guy she's with kind of does too. He runs off. Yeah. And it seems like Liz is frozen and then almost like she's reaching out to help. She's looking down and then she looks up and sees Bobby's reflection in there with the knife or the blade coming down. Almost like yep. if anybody sticks their hand in here, they're going to lose it. What's up with those elevators where the doors don't open when they hit something? <laughs> like, yeah. Like those movie elevator doors where they just keep slamming on something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then after, you know, she, she drops the knife and Liz picks it up. For some reason. Right. Yeah. <laughs> as a, as a cleaning woman witnesses it, which is just hilarious. And then she keeps it and runs off with it. She runs around with it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Somebody killed somebody with this. <laughs> it wasn't me, I swear. But uh, yeah, it's just like so. Mrs. Miller's arm is stuck in the elevator door, and it's just like the inside of the door is just jabbing into it over and over again. <laughs> like any real life elevator door would hit her hand and then open, and then like stay open for ten seconds and then close, and then just. But this one was just like, I got to close. Get out of the fucking way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, I think we can get to the next clip, which is the uh, message left on the doctor's answering machine. You see him go to his office and he's got to check all the messages. Yeah. So 
bitch saw me, but I'll get her. Remember, if he calls you, you better tell Levy I'm okay. Don't make me be a bad girl again. I wish she would have ended that with a little hee hee hee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely is not Michael Caine's voice. Because <laughs> he has this British accent in every other scene. And I guess when he's Bobby, he just sounds like a, a husky American dude. Yeah. <laughs> so I think from there we meet uh, Detective Marino, mm-hmm. who's played by Dennis Franz, who's always great in these roles. Yeah. He always plays a cop. And uh yeah. his early eighties roles are are some of my favorite of his. So I haven't seen The Fury, but I hear he plays a cop in The Fury, another De Palma film. Okay. And then he's in Blowout, but he's not a cop. He's uh he's actually a criminal in that one. I wouldn't say Pip necessarily, but something like that. It's the guy that uh corresponds with pimps. <laughs> It's the exception that proves the rule. You yeah. know, you, it sticks out more because he's not a cop. Because <laughs> he's a cop again in Scarface, which is weird because he's just in the one scene. And he has such a big role. And, uh, you know, they, they, you think they could have given him, uh, what's the crooked cop's name in Scarface? Oh, um, I don't recall. But yeah, the guy that says, fuck you, right when he gets shot. <laughs> <laughs> That dude, he, he that could have been Dennis Franz. It could have, yes. Surprised that been. they didn't uh, cast Dennis Franz in that role because it's like he has a much bigger uh, role in Blowout. This I haven't seen the Fury, but perhaps and you can't yeah. really see him. He's not even like on screen in in Scarface. You just hear, yeah, yeah. In Scarface, he's credited or he's not even credited. It says immigration officer, voice uncredited. Oh really? So he might have just dubbed one of the dudes that was uh was there. Psycho too, he wasn't a cop. He was the he was the uh manager of the over of the uh Bates Hotel. Yeah. You know, well um well Norman was away. But he's always a prickly hard ass <laughs> like most roles. <laughs> cop or no, he usually uh, gets his way. I like how he's wearing his uh he, he doesn't dress like a cop. Like he He's got some of the finest late 70s fashion on throughout his uh Well, I beg to time. differ because De Palma claims that uh, he's dressed like a typical New York cop in late 70s. That's what De Palma claimed. I guess. He took you know, everything he a- knew about New York cops and New York cop stuff, and that's how he like wrote that part of the script. And But yeah, like I'm like, I, I want some of those big uh lapel shirts i want to start throwing it over the over the jacket right and i need to start popping some collars because i do <laughs> love that look when i went down to miami for the honeymoon like i really i was looking for like shirts that i could maybe you know get some nice like florida miami shirts mm-hmm. that i could pop out over a over a suit jacket look extra fly but couldn't <laughs> find any none of them have big enough collars yeah, I don't. I don't know if they make them like that anymore. They really don't. But uh, they don't make them like Dennis Franz either. 
I did like, uh, so like Peter was there, you know, and he's having a hard time and Dr. Elliot shows up. This is another one of those lines we were talking about. He goes, I'm Dr. Elliot, your mother's doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, okay, Dr. Elliot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so he goes in for an interview with uh, Marino while Mrs. Miller's kid, he is quite the little sleuth. He is uh, listening in on the conversation. He just has gadgets up the wazoo. He sure does. It's a whiz kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and nobody beats him. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Mike. Mike might beat him as his stepdad. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like. <laughs> he wants you to know for sure that his dad died in Vietnam, and Mike is not his real dad. <laughs> like, there's no, no question about it. Like, this guy is not my father. Yeah. Are you going to beat the Wiz this week? Uh, yeah, probably. Although my team choked, my team choked last week, but I think I still outscored you. Yeah, so. um, I've scored ninety six point something both weeks. So you just got to score 97. That's it. Well, I, I think I had 97 last week and the week before I had 143. And for, so. the, for the folks at home, uh, my fantasy football name is The Wiz, and I play Brett this, this, this Sunday. Actually, well, tonight. You got anybody playing tonight? I got Robbie Anderson on Thursday <laughs> night. I don't need to watch. <laughs> he just needs that one catch for 55 yards and a touchdown, you know, like in week one. All right, back to dress to kill. Um, they ex- exchange pleasantries before does Franz flips the book on him. Doctor tells him, I've been treating her. She's been coming to me about personal problems with her mother, her marriage, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Detective Marino wondered if, uh, well, maybe somebody else, some other patient of his maybe saw her coming and going and, you know, uh, that's how she was targeted, I guess. Yeah. Maybe she was suicidal. He ends up asking for uh, a client book and more personal information of Mrs. Miller, which uh, the doctor does not want to give up. What? You're afraid she's going to get embarrassed? I think we're way beyond that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, was, he really wanted the nitty gritty. Uh, he yeah. wanted the the down and dirty details. Would you talk about sex stuff? <laughs> You'd be surprised what I've heard about. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, right after that is an interrogation with Liz, Elizabeth Blake, and that leads us to our next clip. Ah, look, Miss Blake, let's cut this shit, huh? I got all the dope on you right here. Uh, does this look familiar? Huh? Uh, let me see. March 5th, charge, disorderly conduct, uh, solicitation for the purpose of prostitution. Arresting Officer Durham, apprehended at the Park Avenue Hotel. Ooh, classy arrest. Thank you. Let's face it, you're a whore, huh? Oh, a Park Avenue whore, but you're still a whore. Now, who are you fucking? Fuck you. No, fuck you. Hey, you're no witness. You're a suspect. <laughs> what are you talking about? We got a murder weapon with a nice set of your prints on it. Hey, that's bullshit. Why would I want to kill her? You were there with the razor. You tell me. 
I told you, there was a blonde woman in yeah, the Yeah, except nobody else saw this blonde woman enter or leave the building. Uh, you didn't notice if she had wings, did you? She was in the elevator. I saw her. So what were you doing there? I had a job. Who? You want me to get in trouble, don't you? You are in trouble. Hey, I didn't kill her. So who were you fucking? Ted, I didn't get his last name. He's from out of town. Oh, oh, well, that's great, yeah. Ted from out of town, oh. Yeah. That's almost as good as the blonde from the elevator, huh? It's true. He was standing right behind me, saw the elevator doors open, and that woman inside all cut and bleeding. I know all about Mrs. Miller. We got her downstairs. But what about this blonde? Did he see her, too? I don't know. Well, look, Miss, uh, Miss Blake, you're going to save me a lot of trouble by finding this, uh, this Ted from out of town and getting him in town and downtown and in here to sign a statement as to exactly what he saw and when he saw it. How the hell am I supposed to know where he is? Well, if you can't find him, I sure can. And anyway, you got a lot better motivation than I do. Your ass. Now, get the hell out of here. I'm giving you 48 hours. And don't try to blow town. I'll be keeping tabs on you. So she goes and picks up Eddie Murphy from jail, and then they <laughs> go about solving the case. <laughs> and she just yells uh, racial swords at him the whole time. Giving you 48 hours. I was going to say, I'm, I'm having trouble deciding if Marino is like really bad at his job or really good at his job because he doesn't do shit himself. <laughs> but uh, I was at like a football really game with my kid. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Why did you stop me from going over there? I was at a football <laughs> game with my kid. So. <laughs> You can't. So that's a how the hell do I? Okay, uh, I sure as hell can't. <laughs> like, like, fucking hey, man. Like, what? What do you do? <laughs> I mean, at the end, you do find out that he was doing stuff, you know, uh, behind the scenes, setting things up. But still, <laughs> yeah, he sends a woman Pretty to reckless. tell her that he, he sends a woman to tell her that looks just like the suspect. <laughs> <laughs> And he gets this uh, woman to to go steal the appointment book because uh, he, I had to uh, get the, I had to get somebody in there her. somehow. Get that appointment book. You know how it goes. You got to get a court order and a warrant. <laughs> and, uh, God, I ain't got time for that. He, you, know, you could do it. You know, regular police stuff. <laughs> you know my job. <laughs> oh man, I thought it was funny that. Peter goes uh, to hang out at Dr. Elliot's, like outside his office. And he just sits there with a stopwatch all fucking day and nobody says anything. Like just staring at the, <laughs> the psychiatrist's uh, mm-hmm. door. Like, fuck. Like, you think somebody in there would be like psychotic enough, psychotic enough to notice him and be like, what the fuck are you doing, motherfucker? You just like, get the <laughs> shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, he goes and uh, the kid goes to set up the camera on his bike like a little compartment on the back side of his bike yeah yeah so he times out how long it takes people to get out of the the building and then he's got an eight millimeter camera that takes a picture every four seconds Mm -hmm. all day so he can see like who's the last appointment Um, i'm wondering like how i don't know you like you need more film i know it's every four seconds but 
if you're all day, like you need a much bigger role that can fit in there. Yeah. I mean, every maybe four not, seconds. but I mean, I don't know. It's, I guess I don't, it depends on how long the day, <laughs> like what's the, uh, the work schedule for a psychiatry. <laughs> Although maybe he was just doing it the evening because he wants to see the last person. Well, I think he just was recording all day because he wasn't sure when that person was going to show up or leave. Right. Which nobody noticed that either. It looked awfully conspicuous. It's funny because it's like, well, you don't see like her walk in. You just see her leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That too. But um, I also thought, you know, you know, a lot of psychiatrists' office they'll have an entry door and an exit door so patients don't cross paths. You know, there's the entrance room and the exit room. So right. you can go and cry afterwards and then leave out the back door. So I thought, well, maybe that's just a back door, but there's when he's going through the videotape with her later, uh, you can see the doctor enter through there. Mm-hmm. And then you see him, Bobby come out later, but <laughs> it's just kind of funny. So I was like, Oh, I guess it doesn't really have an entrance door unless that's just him entering through the exit door. Cause he's opening up shop perhaps. No. Cause I think Kate went, went in through that door at the beginning too. Yeah. So I think they just had the one door in and out, but yeah, he definitely doesn't, he, he doesn't keep track of who goes in versus who, who leaves. But then again, you, you probably wouldn't get a good shot of people going in. It would just be like the back of their, their head, but like you should be able to figure out like if there's an appointment every hour, mm-hmm. like you should be able to, to see like, okay, this guy came in and he left and then the next day went in and then he left and you should be able to you know verify like who who came in and who left versus you know who's this extra person who left but never went in yeah so now we get to i guess the subway chase right yeah so there's another message from bobby to elliot yeah this Uh, is when that split screen stuff is going on yeah, and she's talking about how she's stalking Liz. I did, you want to mention that Dr. Elliot puts on that TV expose about transsexuals? Yeah. Like that was, uh, was kind of interesting. De Palma said he got the idea uh, watching an episode of Donahue where they're interviewing uh, a transsexual person. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the... the person they were interviewing was they were talking about how they used to be a real like masculine guy mm-hmm. and uh like they knew a bunch of like army people who transitioned yeah um, so it was like oh look at the stereotype doesn't really fit but also this movie really reinforces the hollywood stereotype that transsexual people are murderous like psychopaths <laughs> yeah <laughs> because i don't know how many like we don't have to name the movies, you know, because they're kind of like it's probably a pretty big spoiler if you mm-hmm. if you say well the the killer is a, a transsexual, but mm-hmm. God, there's got to be at least like a handful or more of movies around this time that had yeah the same type of trope. A couple of my favorite slashers from the eighties. Well, one's not one of my favorites, but it's still fun. But uh, I mean, we can talk about it right now, but and its similarities to Psycho. Yep. But um, just to put a pin in that, and I also wanted to say that, you know, one of the reasons Hollywood, I guess, maybe did this for this film, especially, it really helps out with the duality. They're like, well, we need 
We need more duality. We need more split people, split personalities. But you know, we got the 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 side by side shots, right? Uh, the mirror images. He's looking into a mirror all the time. You got him. He's two people trapped in one body. This film is just overflowing with duality, Brett. Mm-hmm. But sure um, yeah, with Psycho, I got to argue that Norman Bates is not a trans person. No, that's fair. Even in this movie, it's more of a. It seems more of a like a split personality versus a transsexualism. Yeah, because like Norman was just trying to be his mom. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't seem like he was doing it for like sexual purposes. No, and it definitely wasn't a gender. Yeah, he wasn't trying to be identified as a woman. He wanted to be identified as his mom. <laughs> well, he yeah he he just Basically. wanted that mother <laughs> role to be there. Yeah. And uh, it basically manifested in him dressing up. Mm-hmm. And then this one, it was like, because he didn't, like, he didn't know that he was Bobby. So, like, that's more of a, like, a split personality thing where, like, you have multiple personalities, but you, you're not aware of the other ones. Yeah. Or yeah, what they point. do. Whereas if you're trans, transgender, transsexual, it's just... Like you're aware that you're, you know, you feel uncomfortable in your body mm-hmm. um, and that you, you think you're the opposite. How would you know, Brett? I mean, come on. I'm just talking generally. <laughs> the, the universal you. <laughs> this is what I've been told by social media. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. I've, the... been ra- I've been radicalized by Twitter. I can't wait to read the terrible reviews on iTunes. Apple podcast about all the, the cis white men discussing these these trans issues on dress to kill <laughs> making light of trans issues. Oh my god. It's a good thing nobody rated uh left reviews on Positively Wolfie because I think it's like we got a couple episodes where we were talked about that stuff and it was like I don't get it. Like, I don't understand any of it. Like if you think you're confused, uh, I mean you should you know, be on my side of things <laughs> the outside looking in. Like it's even they worse. think they're confused. <laughs> what about me? I'm trying to understand all this. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think Norman Bates is trans, but there's a lot of other similarities to Psycho. They both films start with a, a tryst, is that what you would call it? An affair with the protagonist. Yeah. Because it yeah. opens with yeah. uh Janet Lee and Sam Loomis in the hotel room. She's wearing a bra, very risque for the time. Very much so, yes. And Jenna Lee just showing it almost all. <laughs> Shows as much as Angie Dickinson. Didn't get a body double for her, though. Janet Lee. Um, protagonist dies early in both. Yes. Yeah, that was quite the swerve when they killed the main character halfway mm-hmm. through. Yeah. And both of them. Yep, both killed uh, with a knife. Well, stabbed i should say sharp metal object the elevator uh, scene and the shower scenes are shot pretty similarly as we talked about earlier both killers are well they're at least cross-dressers if they're not trans right and i know they're gonna say well cross-dressing that's an outdated term well this movie is from 1980 so <laughs> deal with it i think back then there are transvestites who yeah. don't use. say that word either. oh i'm oh that didn't age well 
they couldn't make this today. <laughs> did we say that? Do, do we have to put the obligatory? Oh, they couldn't get away with it. This didn't age well. They couldn't get you know, away with that, today. that may be true, but I sure as hell can watch it and enjoy the hell out of it today. <laughs> I think um, they couldn't make it today because nobody would be fucking good enough to make a movie this good. Nobody would have the balls. They would fucking CGI the shit out of it and put yeah. some kind of moral lesson in there. Like they would probably <laughs> swerve it to where like, oh, the transgender person was actually the good person for killing everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so Liz puts herself in harm's way to help catch the killer and does so with a, I guess what I like to call like a detective buddy. In Psycho, you have Sam Loomis teamed up with uh, Janet Lee's sister, Marion. Wait, is Marion Crane Janet Lee or is that her sister? No, I don't remember. Yeah, blanking, but it was her sister, right? So sister teams up with Sam Loomis to go solve the case uh, themselves. And also the both films end with doctors explaining the condition of the murderer. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, De Palma talked about this. Now, this came out. Supposedly, most critics liked it, gave it you know good reviews. There were some that didn't, and there was two main criticisms. One was that it was misogynistic, you know, anti-feminist, all that. The other was that it's just a Hitchcock ripoff. It's the plot of Psycho, which there's a lot of similarities, but uh, I like to think he made it a, his own. Has some differences uh, stylistically as well but uh yeah De Palma talked about it saying like well i've always been very open about how he quote likes to use the uh, language of uh hitchcock in his films he said he's the master of suspense so if you're gonna make a suspense movie you're gonna make a good one you're probably gonna use things and ideas that hitchcock used to me it, it all boils down to the simpsons did it theory yeah or i guess fact should just be a fact but basically everyone's done it before basically (laughs) and you're always going to rehash it to a certain extent well it's true too like if somebody has mastered the the art or the genre and you know it works like you're going to want to emulate what they did to get the same effect Mm -hmm. and and there's a lot different as far as the story goes like there's similar plot beats like we mentioned but like the story is very different in a lot of ways yeah like you know it, it's not like a straight up remake and some of them know? are slight differences but differences nonetheless but when you, you know when does it turn from an homage to a ripoff like i yeah. don't i don't think he's ripping off hitchcock i think it's more of an homage yeah you know like like people talk about quentin tarantino ripping off all these movies you know he gets away with it because most of them are like from overseas or whatever like you know Mm -hmm. low budget shit that nobody saw yeah but like it's the same thing like it's homage like it's not you know he's not like stealing hitchcock's ideas you know as a nefarious way of tricking people into liking his movies he's like this guy knows what he's doing i want to do what he's doing you know because you know it's great and the vast majority of what Tarantino does, like when he talks about it, he will say kind of like where he got it from. Yeah. Like he takes a lot of songs from soundtracks to certain movies or different scores 
and he'll reuse them in his own films. And uh, like he talks about movies that he likes all the time and people that he admires, wants to emulate. So he's pretty open about it too. But uh, yeah, uh, body double, very uh, rear window-ish when you see it. <laughs> like Disturbia? I haven't seen Disturbia, but I heard that's yeah rear window for a new generation. Mm-hmm. It's for the, for the millennials. Isn't Rihanna? That was before that? Z, right? Before what? That was right when Z was being born, when Disturbia came out. Oh, Gen Z. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't remember. When did that come out? Like, like in the mid-aughts, probably. Yeah, right? mid-aughts. I don't know. Yeah, Gen Z probably been maybe like the oldest Gen Z years, maybe just starting kindergarten or something. Yeah. Yeah, uh, obviously, Hitchcock is very evident in a lot of De Palma's work, but not a direct ripoff. Yeah, it doesn't diminish anything that De Palma did. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. People who who discount like subsequent directors because they're too similar to like classic directors, like need to chill out a little bit. Like Hitchcock, yeah. when, when did Hitchcock stop making movies? Like I, I forget. Like he, yeah, I don't think he got into the eighties, but it, it probably would have been pretty close to to when this movie came out. But yeah, like Psycho came out twenty years before this. Like what the mm-hmm. fuck? Like you can't you can't borrow from a movie that came out twenty years ago. Yeah. Even with things like Steadicam, Steadicam was very new at the time. That Dustin Hoffman film, The Marathon Man, that's what it's called, right? I think yeah. if I remember right. When we talked about the shining. I think the marathon man was like the kind of like the first movie to really use that. And then the shining used it extensively and kind of popularized it. It was released in 1980, the shiny same year as this. So De Palma uh, was probably, I mean, it takes years for Kubrick to make his films. So I think, cause I right. think he started in 78 De Palma was doing this in 79. So I'm not sure if he reached out to him or not, but like, if you think about Scorsese, I can't remember if it's called the Copacabana, but that cabana scene in Goodfellas with Steadicam, it's not like, well, he's ripping off Kubrick. Can't use a Steadicam. Kubrick right. did it. I know Kubrick did different films. Maybe if he did a, a gangster film, that people would accuse Scorsese. I can't believe he just yeah. ripped off Kubrick. <laughs> then you can't make any gangster films after that. Yeah. Like only one person gets the genre. Like whoever gets the best you know, movies out of a specific genre, only they can make those movies going forward. Yeah. Like we have to retire it once they die. So I think that's, that'll do it for psycho, but yeah, let's get to this uh, chase sequence. So uh, Liz hops in a cab and she thinks she's being followed and she is. Yes. Tells the cabbie to step on it, uh, run red lights, which he does. It's like, Oh, anything for you, ma'am. Oh, Mm -hmm. what a great tip. Yeah, and uh, he even like gets her phone number. Oh, actually, well, he, he gets her to agree to go on a date, but I did not hear or see them exchange phone numbers. They did not. He was just she like, said, I'll call you or something, right? Yeah, listen, I'll call you. And then she immediately left the cab. <laughs> you need a number. <laughs> and then uh, then who the, the woman that you think is Bobby comes running out and the cab driver just opens his door and just whacks her. She goes face down in the concrete. 
Oops. <laughs> says something like that, right? Like, whoopsie. What other movie had that? Was that like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too? Yeah, that was Raph. No, 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 it was no, no. Casey Jones. Casey Jones. He the pulls the lever one. on the, the garbage, <laughs> the garbage truck. Oops. That's what I was trying to think of where that was uh, from the other day. He just fucking crushed a man with a garbage <laughs> compactor. <laughs> Trash compactor. And then he goes and cucks all the turtles. <laughs> <laughs> he sure does. That's not. Yeah, that's a non- go Casey. It's okay. It's a non-fatal injury. I saw. I personally witnessed a man get crushed in a garbage truck, and then he showed up in another city, in a different garbage truck, like two weeks later, and he was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, WWE uh, pay-per-view was that? It was uh, TLC 2017. Okay. <laughs> it was the one I know you mentioned it on another episode, but. I forget yeah, which the, one it was. That was the one where all the wrestlers got motto and like a half of the, half of the main guys didn't show up. <laughs> and the Kurt Angle wrestled with the the Shield. It was Kurt Angle's first match back with the WWE since like 2006. Now, you gonna go uh, see him soon? You can go to that. Uh, oh, I forgot Kurt Angle thing. That. No, I don't think so. I'm trying to get tickets <laughs> to AEW. Yeah. Uh, when they they're they're supposedly coming to minneapolis with a pay-per-view oh. which i'm super excited for but yeah if you have peacock go look up wwe tlc 2017 and you can see braun Strowman get crushed by a fucking <laughs> garbage truck it was it was in the back of the section i was sitting on the floor in the the section right where the garbage truck backed into into the arena and uh so i got a pretty good pretty good angle on it <laughs> all right so the guy actually takes out the cop not bobby bobby is after her though as well after liz liz is trying to lose her in the subway she almost walks into a gangbang yeah runs across some uh some rough youth <laughs> of the subway system well, she like there's two dudes just chilling talking to each other one of them's got a boom box and she just like rubs up against one of them like just backs into him and then uh like he didn't have a problem but his friend with the boombox did so they called over their other five friends and they're like why should we kill her when we can rape her <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's definitely a lot of rape in this movie so uh now she's stuck between a, a murderer and a gangbang mm-hmm. and uh on a train I like too, like she gets on the train and there's a cop there and she's like, there's five black guys after me. And the cop looks and there's nobody there. And he's like, okay, white lady. <laughs> come on. Come on, Karen. You just fucking uh, go about your day. Stop. Stop falsely reporting on, uh, you know, people who are minding their business. Nothing's really stopping her from staying there with the cop. <laughs> Well, the cop left, didn't he? Yeah, but couldn't she just follow? Could she just hang <laughs> out with the she cop? She could have. <laughs> she could have, but the cop might have, uh, you know, I don't know. He might have just backhanded her or something. <laughs> you know how cops were back then. <laughs> oh, they treated dames, as they called them dames at the time, still probably. Was <laughs> uh, not broad. <laughs> That's what that sounds what some Dennis Franz would say, his character. 
a Brad. Yes. <laughs> Is he from New York or Chicago? What's, what's that accent he's got? Um, I believe Chicago because uh, I think that's where Dennis Franz got his start. Okay. I was thinking that it's out of Mark Chicago, Chicago, but he plays, but he plays a lot of New York characters. Yeah. In the documentary he talked about doing theater in Chicago. So I just assumed that it's kind of where he got his start. Grew up. That makes sense. Then he show his ass on network TV <laughs> in the nineties too. <laughs> sure did. <laughs> on cop drama. <laughs> he said okay. shit. He said shit, didn't he? You get some uh, shit on your lip. <laughs> Speaking of shit, shit on your face, saying shit on TV. If, if you want to hear the word shit a lot, just watch AEW on Wednesdays on TNT because they drop it. I, I, I've been watching it, uh, catching up, and like they've been they've been dropping it like ten to twelve times on every episode. It's funny. Like the it's gone overboard. Anyways, <laughs> Liz ends up uh, getting. Uh, cornered by the the gangbangers on the train and she runs right into bobby and then poof out of nowhere like an rko comes peter (laughs) with with his bear mice or whatever the fuck he's got (laughs) just aside from being great with uh, everybody computers and circuits he's also apparently a master chemist (laughs) (laughs) just whip up uh a solution that'll blind people temporarily. Yeah, that's right. It wasn't even like uh, pepper spray. It was like his own special concoction, <laughs> like, like a magic potion. <laughs> it's yeah. like a, apparently he was able to put it in some sort of like an aerosol canister. <laughs> he must have his own, like a little factory in the basement. That actually reminds me of these old Japanese wrestlers. They used to spit colored mist at their opponent's face and. Like the rumor was, and it was like, uh, like they played it up. Like they had an extra gland or something where like they could like manipulate their, their throat and then like, you know, activate it. (laughs) But like, depending on what color they spit in your face, it did different things. Like one color blinded you. Another one knocked you out. Mm -hmm. Another one did, uh, I forget what all all, burned or something. And so like it, they have like red and green and black and like you don't want the black one because that'll will KO you for like you know twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wonder if I wonder if Peter has different color sprays. You know, one blind <laughs> you for for ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like gold dust blowing that shit he used to blow. Didn't gold dust do that? I think that was just glitter. <laughs> Goldust, I mean, he probably was uh, influenced by this movie, you know. Back to the original sure Goldust. Was. The original Goldust was fucking outrageous. Like, I don't know. Like, he was probably about two years before, you know, he could have really done a lot of stuff because, like, he was so controversial. But he came in, like, right, right at the tail end of when they were still doing the, the real PG family-friendly stuff. And he was coming hard with the the gay innuendos and yeah, uh, and cross dressing and all that stuff. And oh, people were so mad about it in 1996. <laughs> I'm sure they were. So yeah, let's uh, get to our next clip here. This is Peter and Liz talking about uh, his camera and what they're going to do and whatnot. Doesn't your father wonder where you are? Well, he's not my father. He's my stepfather. Oh, 
Anyway, I told him I was spending the night at my friend Paul's and he'll cover for me. Well, I'll take you home tomorrow. No, no, I don't, I don't want to go home. Look, Miss Blake, I've got some pictures. Call picture me Liz, okay? Okay, Liz, I've got some pictures of that blonde from a camera I hid outside Elliot's office. Now we gotta get in, get Elliot's appointment book, and get her name. That's what the police are for. Come on, let's talk to Marino. Fine, you talk to Marino. I'm gonna find out the blonde's name. Who do you think you are, Superman? You're just a kid, for God's sake. Yeah, I'm the kid that saved your life. All right, uh, look, let me talk to Marino. If he cops out, then I'll help you. Okay, but you can't, you can't mention my name. Mike would kill me. I'm supposed to be, uh, <laughs> studying for a French exam. Well, your friend's covering for you tonight, right? Well, I'm your friend, too. I'll be the best cover you ever had. Okay. Well, are you sure you're gonna be okay here? Fine. Well, here you go. <laughs> Good night. Good night. In a different version of this movie, Peter tries to bang Liz. Yeah, I thought it was weird. So, like, at the end of the movie, when she's having the nightmare, and he comes in and, like, wakes her up, and, like, they hug. What are they still doing, like, sleeping in the same place? (laughs) Well, she was staying at his his place. Um, Yeah, I don't remember. At the end? I thought it was because they're at her place now. And I figured, because he doesn't remember, he doesn't want to go home. Because he hates his stepdad because he's no good in bed. You can smell it on him. <laughs> no, he's, but he invites her. He can't please his mother. He invites her over at the end because Mike is out of town. Oh, okay. Yeah. Stepdad. Yeah. But it is, it is interesting that he's such a nerd that he's like not trying to bang her the whole time. Like <laughs> like pretty much every other, other 80s movie would have been. Like they just yeah. had a subplot where he's just like dry humping her the whole time. <laughs> Uh, we never really talked about it, but do you recognize Keith Gordon? Do you know who he is? Uh, not offhand. You would know him from the 80s cult classic, Back to School. Oh, yeah. Rodney's kid at the school. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good movie. <laughs> he would uh, go on to do less and less acting and more and more directing. Came uh, a pretty prolific uh, TV director. Done a lot of stuff. Even... Uh, to this day does a lot yeah i see he did a lot of he directed a lot of prestige television mm-hmm. shows yeah it's like three episodes of the leftovers remember he, he did some of the like, i think the strain it's a bunch of prestige work for all the the big networks yeah fargo hbo Home yeah fargo and better call Saul, nurse jackie masters of sex dexter the killing yeah it's a lot of one of those uh bigger shows do you like his uh profile picture on imdb with the uh the bald spot yeah i was i was thinking like uh like you should you should really shave that because <laughs> he looked the exact same in the documentary <laughs> it's a it's a strange spot for it it's like in yeah. the middle very unusual and then it, like it's skinny and then it kind of gets bigger. And then in the back, there's some too. I was thinking like, 
because he had it like pretty short in the documentary. And I'm thinking like either shave it or like grow it long and, you know, like comb it to the side. Like it wouldn't be much of a, like a, like a comb over. Like I'm losing mine right now. You know, I mean, I have been for a while, but like it's, you know, getting thinner and thinner. Yeah. I'm like, I can just kind of toss it to the side and it's fine. You don't see like the little lines where it's kind of faint in the middle anymore. It's like, I don't know, dude, just like push it to the side, style it a little bit. <laughs> it's just a strange spot for it to go bald. Yeah. Like it's just like right in the middle. It's almost <laughs> like a T shape. Yeah. Cause it looks know, like it's weird. coming in pretty thick on the edges in the front. Maybe he's got, uh, I don't know. Maybe he's, he's on chemo or something or something and it's falling out weird. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, as a hair expert, you know, <laughs> the Costanza with the with the magnifying glass. Yep, classic horseshoe pattern. You got you got six to nine months tops. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy it, enjoy it while you can. <laughs> so I think from here. Oh, oh, yeah. Before we get to the, the big scheme to, uh, you know, get the appointment book, there's a scene with Liz and Marino and Marino again, you know, he kind of blows her off and says, you know, I need you to do my work. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm going to arrest you and charge you because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's too hard to get a fucking warrant, search warrant. <laughs> and then uh, Dr. Elliot meets uh, Dr. Levy. Uh, who is Bobby's psychiatrist. And uh, we find out that Dr. Levy, like it, it becomes pretty obvious here that Dr. Elliot is also Bobby because Dr. Levy's just like, no, she's not here right now. Um, maybe we can go talk about it. <laughs> no, I don't have time. Just tell her I called. I was here. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much from there, it just cuts to like uh, Liz in the doctor's office. Well, uh, what's the kid's name? Peter. Peter. Peter's outside uh, watching with binoculars. The pouring rain. And he may or may not be playing with his Peter. (laughs) (laughs) He named that Peter. I don't mean his. (laughs) He's playing with his Peter in the beginning. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah the, that leads us to our uh next clip it's some dialogue between liz and the doctor and uh i should just mention now and we pick up the conversation with her talking about one of her rape nightmares another rape dream sorry what's the matter it's just so dirty why do you say that look i know what dirty is and this is dirty well why don't you just talk about it i'm sure it's not as bad as you think it's very bad and you're talking to an expert on bad oh really Now, what makes you such an expert? Because I'm a hooker. 
Ah. And I've done most of the bad things you just read about. Do you like doing these things? Sometimes. What do you like about it? I like to turn men on. I must do a pretty good job because they pay me a lot. Do you ever have any sex that's not paid for? Is that a proposal? No. It's what we psychiatrists call a question. Yes. Yes what? Yes, I do. For men that turn me on. What sort of men turn you on? A mature, doctorly type. Like you. Are you sexually attracted to me? Yes. Are you? Attracted to you? Mm-hmm. Yes. But then this isn't a social visit, is it? You've come here for help, and my job is to offer you emotional assistance. How about some sexual assistance? Do you want to fuck me? Oh, yes. Well, why don't you? Because I'm a doctor and... Fucked a lot of doctors. And I'm married. Fucked a lot of them, too. Don't you think we're getting off the point? Do you mind if I take off my coat? No. And the rest, too? size of that cock in your pants. I don't think you're so married. Well, what do you think? Touch me. Uh, yes and no. Yes, because I'm. Well, why don't you? I told you why. Oh, that's right. You're a married doctor. I remember now. I think you're full of shit. You do. Just because I happen to have personal and professional ethics. Look, Doc. I think you're kind of shy. So, uh, I'm gonna go powder my nose, and when I come back, I hope to find your clothes right next to mine. And if not, we can just get back to the mindfuck. Uh, you get it? Mindfuck? Mm-hmm. Clever girl. Oh. <laughs> She's pretty confident. She's pretty confident she's gonna, you know, do the deed and uh turn him on enough to, you know, give her the free reign of his uh his office. Mm-hmm. And uh which comes back out. Well, it just so happens that Bobby has appeared. Yes. Michael Kane uh transforms 
The doctor transforms into Bobby. Meanwhile, outside Peter's uh, binoculars have fogged up. So he's got to stumble his way <laughs> across the street and uh, right up to the window. He falls first, <laughs> falls face first into the mud. Yes, that's right. And, uh, <laughs> and then um, uh, somebody, somebody grabs him from behind and uh, shoots through the window and hits Bobby right, right as Bobby's about to, to slash up Liz. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's somebody that looks like Bobby shooting Bobby. So then we find out everything uh, that was going on behind the scenes with this Detective Loose, <laughs> Officer Loose. Betty Loose. This whole thing is amateur hour. All the police work is fucking shitty. <laughs> like, like they they solved it in spite of all the all the cops. It's almost Gone Girl bad, but like it's it's more of a satisfying ending because they actually kill the the, the piece of shit at the end, who's been uh, kind of ruining everybody's lives. See, I don't hate Gone Girl as much as you. <laughs> I don't mind it. I very much dislike it. <laughs> um, it was very frustrating. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I think you want to just get into the last clip where they explain uh, the killer's condition. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Thank God. What's wrong with that guy anyway? He was a transsexual. What? A transsexual. About to make the final step, but his male side couldn't let him do it. There was Dr. Elliot, and there was Bobby. Bobby came to me to get psychiatric approval for a sex reassignment operation. I thought he was unstable, and Elliot confirmed my diagnosis. Opposite sexes inhabiting the same body. The sex change operation was to resolve the conflict. But as much as Bobby tried to get it, Elliot blocked it. So Bobby got even. By killing Mrs. Miller. Yes, she aroused Elliot, just as you did, Miss Blake. You mean when Elliot got turned on, Bobby took over? Yes, it was like uh, Bobby's red alert. Elliot's penis became erect, and Bobby took control, trying to kill anyone that made Elliot masculinely sexual. When Elliot came to my office, it was the first time I saw Bobby's masculine self. When he told me that he thought Bobby had killed Mrs. Miller, he was confessing himself. I immediately called Detective Marino. So why the hell didn't you stop me from going to Elliot's? Why? Because I was at a football game with my kids, that's why. By the time I spoke with Dr. Levy, you were already over there. So you never really thought I killed Mrs. Miller? No, but I had to get into Elliot's office to find out which weirdo did. So uh, I pressed you into service. Are you kidding? <laughs> So I had Miss Luce there tailing you to make sure you didn't get into too much trouble. Thanks. Well, it's always wonderful to be of some assistance to the police. Are you kidding? There you have it. Case closed. The tried and true explanation for transsexuality has not changed. It has never been better. It's never has not changed in 40 years. It's the the masculine side and the feminine side battling it out to see who gets to to survive 
<laughs> spiritual sequel to this movie piggyback off that thought would be identity from uh oh three ever seen identity oh yeah uh, that's a pretty good movie <laughs> spoiler for that movie but, <laughs> uh different personalities fighting against one another <laughs> Yeah, that movie's weird because like for if you if you haven't seen it before, like the there's one storyline that doesn't fit the rest of the movie. And you're like, what the fuck does this have to do with anything? <laughs> What's the John Cusack and this? So I was like, like why this one killer is just uh, what's what's he got to do with all these people at the hotel? Yeah, sorry, not John Cusack. I was imagining at the end when the guy's face changes from that. Uh, it's it the guy with the like the flickering eye. What's his name? Ta- Taylor Taylor Scott Pruitt or something like that. Something. Yeah, like that. he's got a three name thing going. And like um, a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. And his like his face is or it's like his old body's changing from himself to uh, John Cusack, depending on like the camera <laughs> angle, you know, or he looks in the spoon and it's John Cusack, or it's not John Cusack, the opposite. I don't know, but anywho, yeah. That is the film. Pruitt Taylor Vincent or yep. Vince. Yeah, I had the Pruitt is his first name. I had it like backwards. Jake Busey's in that movie. Remember when Jake he Busey sure used to be in movies? Mm-hmm. How did his dad outwork him? <laughs> his dad continues to get jobs in TV and movies, whereas I haven't seen Jake Busey in anything in about 15 years. Who can forget the now a famous line from Tomcats, let's exchange some bodily fluids. <laughs> Never saw the movie. I just remember that in the trailer all the time. That's what they play over and over again. This movie's just going to be a laugh riot. And he was seldom heard from again. I feel like my brother recommended that to me, uh, but I didn't, uh, I didn't get a chance to see. He was in, uh, Jake Busey was in Stranger Things in 2019. Oh, that's right barely remember him i quit halfway through season two i couldn't do it yeah it's not good well i'm an 80s fiend so i kind of just had to keep on going i enjoy it apparently he was in the from dust till dawn tv series he played sex machine they gave him sex machine <laughs> I, guess, I guess i guess he played it's the a step down machine. from tom savini sure is i wonder who had the bigger gun <laughs> All right. Well, um, you want to get into some fun facts? Oh, I, we didn't even like finish it. Like you want? Oh, that, that, I, almost, uh, yeah, I almost forgot about the last scene. The last couple scenes are good. So there's a scene of uh, Liz and Peter at a restaurant, and Liz is trying to explain transsexuality to to Peter, and uh, like. It's a steady shot on Peter to get his reaction, but there's also a lady. There's a there's a table of old ladies behind him, and one of them is just like staring, making yeah. faces through the entire thing. <laughs> and it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> she was so offended. She was so horrified. <laughs> it was a pretty classy establishment. They had like white tablecloths and everything. Like, when I was watching that, it reminded me of that scene in Airplane. Where <laughs> the guy's drinking and uh, that old lady's looking at him disapprovingly, and he goes, "Would you care for some, ma'am?" And she goes, "Certainly not." 
And then she leans over and snorts a big line of cocaine. <laughs> and then the old lady like she after they're all done and she turns to her friends and she just can you believe what they are saying over there did you hear it like oh my god in public (laughs) (laughs) and then uh yeah so we get we get a scene of bellevue they sent dr elliot to the infamous bellevue hospital which is bathed in blue lights Mm. which you find out it's because it's a very intricate dream yeah um so i was thinking there is just no security at this hospital there are an murders are being kept there's an awful lot of patients just roaming around (laughs) and uh they all look to be very dangerous none so as dangerous as uh bobby who appears to be catatonic until the uh, sexy nurse comes to tuck her in. Mm-hmm. She gets murdered and Bobby takes her clothes. Everybody cheers. wonder if they were, he was going to get to some necrophilia or if he was just taking her clothes to wear them. <laughs> people were starting to cheer, like, you know, taking her clothes off. Like, yeah, like, let's keep the show going type of thing. <laughs> well, didn't you, didn't you hear that uh, Dr. Levy, as soon as... Uh, Elliot got uh, hard on. He turned into Bobby, and then he'd kill, and then he'd go soft, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, or something like that. I think that's what he said. I don't know. It was hard to understand. um, Yeah. So we find out that's a dream. We find out it's a dream because he sneaks into Peter's house and Mm -hmm. sees Liz showering. Yep. Another shower scene. So there's two shower scenes in this movie. Yeah, it's almost a replay of the the first one in a little bit. Of what Another I, similarity to Psycho in that they have famous shower scenes. Yep. She stands up. Bobby stands outside the door for an awful long time. Um, yeah. But right before Bobby can strike, we find out it's a dream. Well, it's funny that she's standing there long enough to apparently take off her shoes and then place them there. <laughs> <laughs> Seem like someone's around the corner but the opposite corner that they should be looking. <laughs> <laughs> She's like looking at the shoes and all there's no, there's no legs in them. There's no feet. It's a very it's like surprise. It's a very elaborate dream. And she gets sliced up and then, yeah, wakes up to uh, realize it's a dream. But uh, yeah, that's it. That is we, it. I think we reached the end. What a movie, huh? Mm-hmm. You don't make them like that anymore. Sure. As we, ma- as we previously mentioned. <laughs> sure don't. So uh, let's get into some fun facts. Hey, everybody. Here's some fun facts. <laughs> Angie Dickinson said the scene where her character gets seduced in the back of a taxi cab was filmed on location in New York City, where several gawkers observed the scene and shouted, right on, policewoman. Uh, she talked about that in the documentary. She didn't, in the documentary, she didn't mention that people shouted that, but she did say that like they were filming that like a whole afternoon, just driving around New York, no police cut off or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And she said that, you know, the, the back window of the cab was angled and she said all the truck drivers could see down into it and they could see her laying on her back in the back seat. Right. And so she's <laughs> like doing all this stuff like they can't see 
Brian De Palma and the camera operator in the front seat or the driver. Yeah. And so it just looks like, you know, she's getting some in the back seat. <laughs> that is a confirmed fun fact. Well, here you go. I mean, it must be real because 120 of 120 found this interesting. <laughs> Here's a fun fact. Here's another good one. As a young man, at his mother's urging, Brian De Palma followed his father and used recording equipment to try and catch him with another woman. That, in- that incident inspired this movie. Mm. It also inspired Butter's very own episode on South Park. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a fun fact. Uh, so we talk about the body double in the shower scene for Angie Dickinson. According to IMDb's trivia, that was Victoria Johnson, who was in uh, five movies. Sorry, three movies and two TV shows. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're going to want to know this, but the gloves worn by Angie Dickinson are isotoner. <laughs> like OJ's. Uh-huh. Sure are. <laughs> Do you know that OJ had like a like the his ice stoners that he left at uh, Nicole Brown's house were like you know they're like unique they're like one of a kind like like special made just for him like nobody else had those gloves mm. plus he was video he he was seen wearing them on NBC on on uh, football coverage didn't he uh when he didn't take either he took his medication or he didn't take his medication so his hands would swell and wouldn't fit the gloves or whatever yeah he had arthritis and he, he'd stopped taking his arthritis medicine like a week before they they did the glove stunt because mm-hmm. they told him ahead of time they were gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> and so johnny cochran's like just stop taking your meds so it, it's not gonna fit you <laughs> and then he was wearing a glove under it so i was like of course it's not gonna fit moral of the story stop dropping your gloves Here's another fun fact. Speaking of NBC, apparently in 1982, when this movie uh, was uh, at its television broadcast premiere on NBC, during the broadcast, the following dialogue slipped past the censors and was aired to millions. Uh, Dr. Robert Elliott said, when was the last time you had sexual intercourse with your wife, Lieutenant? And uh, Detective Moreno replied, now what the fuck is it to you? you'll find this interesting victoria johnson volunteered to not take a credit as angie dickinson's body double for the shower scene also since johnson is a redhead she had to dye her pubic hair blonde so she could effectively double for dickinson in the shower scene that's commitment to a role Mm -hmm. original producer ray stark wanted to cast suzanne summers in the role of liz blake Brian De Palma rejected the idea of Summers being cast because he specifically wrote the character for Nancy Allen. I wonder why. <laughs> that would have been cool to see Suzanne Summers in that role. That would have been interesting. It would have been probably a different dynamic to that role, mm-hmm. for sure. I don't know if I've ever seen Suzanne Summers do a serious role. Yeah. She's pretty serious about them thighs. This is true. Here's another fun fact. Allegedly, Sir Sean Connery was offered the role of Dr. Robert Elliott. 
uh, and was enthusiastic about it, but declined on account of previously acquired commitments. That would have been interesting. Mm. He probably would have slapped himself. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to slap a woman, put her in her place. (laughs) Well, if they get hysterical. (laughs) When Angie Dickinson finds the form about the VD, the date listed on the form is 11-17-1980. November 17th is the birthday of director Martin Scorsese. Scorsese and De Palma are close friends. Oh, I thought he did it because he was comparing Scorsese to VD. <laughs> <laughs> when Michael Caine showed up to set to film the final scene where he's Bobby, like he walked in front of everyone and he's, he's got the wig on, the makeup and everything. And, and he was looking at everyone and said, uh, you know, if you work hard enough and long enough, they let you play your mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think that'll about do it for fun facts. Anything else you wanted to add? No, I think uh, we covered this pretty thoroughly. That we did. Went long again. Oh, well. Hope you enjoyed the ride. It was worth it for this one. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell the folks at home where they can get some lovely WTM merch? You can get our merchandise at WTMWatchThisMovie.Creator-Spring.com. Check it out. Lots of great stuff there. Indeed. Uh, you can reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Check out our website at WTMWatchThisMovie.com. You can follow us on Twitter at WatchThis underscore movie or Brett at PositivelyWolf1. And please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. We will check you later. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man, you're off my case. Yeah, that's right. This bitch is bothering me. What are you going to do about it, man? I'm going to break her fucking ass.